Hello and welcome to part four of episode 12, Breaking Through with Staffordshire County Cricket Club Captain Sam Council. In the last part of the four-part series, uh, we talk about the current state of league cricket, what could happen, what might happen, um, numbers in the game and sort of how or if and has and where's it's changed and then towards the back end of the episode we get down to business and talk about the best players that Sam's played with or against in our normal feature. Um, thank you very much for tuning in over the last three episodes. I hope you're all staying safe. Um, again, thank you very much to our supporters and partners that allow the podcast to take place. So Jowls Brewery, the Inspirational Learning Group, First Reunion Media and Adaned recruitment. Um, thank you very much for staying tuned. Uh, massive uh, well done to uh, all the boys at Norton Hills Cricket Club uh, who beat Dunstall in the virtual county cup. And for those of you that been uh, watching over on Twitter, it's been an amazing round, and we're looking forward to seeing the next draw. Uh, a few wild cards to stay away from, um, but stay tuned. Andrew, listen. Thank you. This is the Norton and Hales Cricket Club Podcast. Welcome back to episode four of the Breaking Through podcast with Sam Castle, Staffordshire captain. In episode three, we spoke about plans, aspirations, uh, the minor county setup, that sort of stuff. And in this section, we're going to be talking about club cricket, um, all its pluses, negatives, past, present, and future. Um, and talking about and finding out from Sam, putting him on the spot, finding out who is his best players he played with. And against. So, welcome back for episode four, Sam. Um, so, you play at Modishal or Modishal Alton, if I'm going to be politically correct. Um, yeah. Obviously, with the merger a few years ago. Um, you've been involved in club cricket quite a while. Um, in terms of um, the current state of affairs of club cricket, are you what are your thoughts in terms of is it a good place? What are your views in terms of? Is it as good now as it was sort of ten, fifty years? I know your dad will have pretty strong views as to whether or not it is or it isn't. Um, but in your own opinion, uh, back in my day, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you saw Peter Ridgeway swinging it round corners. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I've personally, I've wanted and I've tried to push. Um, I remember a conversation a couple of years ago on a Sunday with with one of the, the hierarchy of the committee of the league. You know, I think we should we should be trying our dandies to to mirror other leagues in terms of the format. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just with the way the game's going. You know, I'm talking about 
leg side wides. Um, I'd personally go to, to 50-50 one day, win-lose. Um, and then even further down the line for that, some leagues play longer formats for half the season, 50-50 win-lose for the second half of the season. Some leagues, I think this year the Birmingham League would potentially go in white or coloured clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, which again is trying to get as close to the first class and, and international um, circuit as, as we can. And don't get me wrong, it's tough. I think with, with that, there comes a lot more you know, pressure on clubs, groundsmen, you know, funding, money for kits, balls, etc. I get all that, but I just think we have to... I just feel North Staff, South Cheshire are quite a way behind other mm-hmm. leagues up and down the country. Mm-hmm. I think my, my my opinion and is I'm I don't mind whether we stay as we are or we go fifty fifty. One thing that I've never understood is how could you have half a season one format, half a season the other. I find that a kind of either make your decision and stick with it. Don't try and please everybody because all you're going to do is please nobody. And the feedback yeah. that I've had in teams that fifty fifty, I think, is a nice side. Uh, uh, you know, half season one, half season the other. Teams build their team, their their teams around the format of the league, aren't they? And different things like that, as, yeah. as you would do with anything. So I think you've got to stick with it. Um, and, and I, I think you kind of you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I think as the league's expanded now into sort of these eight divisions, I think the split of kind of maybe um, Prem, Div 1, Div 2 into sort of like say 50-50 coloured clothing, that sort of stuff and then if teams want to come up and go into that format because you've already got teams having to adapt from um, you know Division 7, Division 8 and, and then obviously moving into obviously longer formats, obviously the standard gets better, all that sort of stuff but at the main cups of the game in terms of, you know I remember as you were saying, you grew up, you grew up as a kid at Longton. You got the tanner you go and that sort of stuff, and the ground used to be packed. I, I very briefly went to Longton a couple of times last year, and the, the numbers are massively down on terms of where it has been. The game has to be a spectacle, and it has to be something that people want to watch on, on a regular basis. You know, at Norton we've yeah. kind of got a, a different kettle of bridge, a bit like Monash. We're in the middle of nowhere, um, mm. and you've only really got your, your local people that. Are going to come out plus obviously people that uh, have got a genuine interest in the players that are playing. So you've got to have something that makes it a spectacle and something that people want to take part in. I think, I think standard-wise, I personally don't think it's as good as it was um, years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember making my first sort of few games in, in the first team at Modishall when. With Scott Oliver's captain, and we had um, Shah Budin was pro. Then we had him run to here. You know, I can remember facing Tino Best at Modishall. You know, and the, the car park and the ground was packed. Um, you know, and like you say, you go to Longton, play games there, packed. No. Um, now it's just not. Now it's not like that. I don't. Like, were the overseas better back then? Probably. 
But on that, um, I think the game's changed on that because you think about that. You go, you th- if if we went through the marquee names that float around, they would the the money that has been injected into the international game has changed things like that. You won't find, you know, players in their prime of the power playing playing league cricket. Yeah. I don't think because they don't need the money anymore. They don't need the the three, yeah. four, five, six hundred pound anymore because they can disappear yeah. off for twenty twenty league and different things. Um. So so I get that, and yeah, that is a a, a made. There's no draw. I say. Love him or, or loathe him, Tino was a, a marquee player. People wanted to come and watch because yeah, every, everybody came to watch to see him bowl. Yeah, exactly. They didn't come to watch me bat or somebody else wicket keep. They came to watch him bowl, and you know he brought you know Tino being Tino brought that brought everybody to the ground. Now you just you don't get that anymore. And that's and unfortunately that's. Going back to the previous point we were saying, he's got it's got to be a spectator's game, and I think that's the biggest for me. In the sort of twenty odd years that I've been playing senior cricket, that's the biggest thing that's changed. You don't necessarily see Shard and Freedy turning up and playing two or three games. You don't see Tino Best. You don't see, you know, teams won't be signing players like Harath again or, or people like that. Yeah, you might get a young star floating around, but you won't find somebody in the peak of the powers. Now, last last season. Um... Who did Liam Livingston play for? Cheadle. Cheadle? Yeah. Against Port Hill. Mm-hmm. Now, the, I got some communication from that saying that the ground was absolutely packed. He mm-hmm. could not move. Now, Liam Livingston's kind of new onto the the circuit, you know, he's taking the, the game by storm, but even somebody like him brings people to the ground. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's that's what it's about. Well, that's the thing, and I think that's going back to what you're saying about going fifty-fifty. If they do do that, then obviously the ball's going to disappear into the ropes a bit more. There's more emphasis in terms of run rate, setting totals, that sort of stuff, which kind of might try and place these sort of marquee names, but it gives the guys the opportunity to play more freely, I suppose, rather than. Yeah, I'm just thinking, thinking in terms of. Club cricketers taking the next step up to minor counties as well, and, and hopefully beyond that. The balls we use in the league, you know, very rarely do I, when batting, do I face somebody that swings it consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you'll play the next day, the start of a three-day game, and you you bat him at eleven a.m. The ball swinging round corners. You know, and I'm fairly not fortunate, but I'm, I'm I've been in that situation before when I've trained a lot of times against a swinging ball, and I've faced it quite a lot in, in previous years. But I just think for for a league player transitioning up to the minor counties team to be then put in the headlights against a decent opening bowler at minor counties level. Who might have a yard of pace, and the ball's swinging, seeming. You know, it's, it's a huge test, and it's something that they they will have never come across before. Um, and I just think little things like that, in terms of the ball we use, that would be the first change for me. If I could do that tomorrow, if 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 it is the the money that's the issue in terms of funding and getting the ball, then if that was no issue. I would I would recommend that we we do that tomorrow. We change the balls we use. 
I think there's a bit of an administration point from that as well in terms of because I know there are there are various choices the balls that you the clubs that yourselves can choose to to purchase and I think that comes down to budget and and different things like that. That's one thing that I've kind of picked up on. Um, but yeah, you're quite right. The standard of some of the league balls that we use are are terrible. Um, in terms of just the lack of stain on them and just sort of general wear and tear of them and different things. So yeah, I completely. Um, completely understand and concur with you on that point. In terms of um, kind of moving forward, then what would your? I know you're trying to push for to go fifty fifty. What sort of? And obviously the balls. Are there any other changes that you feel that they could make that wouldn't affect be affected by budget or constraints? Because I think one of the biggest concerns is obviously the amount of teenagers staying in the game and you know numbers of people playing cricket I suppose, I suppose um, in fact I've got another question on the back of that so answer that question first or are there any changes that you think that probably wouldn't be affected by a budget and... for me the dis- another big change that I've seen you know I'm still fairly young I've not been around for ages but played a lot of local cricket that Sunday cricket seems to have, have just died on died to slow death it just does not seem to have you know I can remember um, in my teenage years where where Sunday cricket was was brilliant like the, the competition and you know the Staffs Cup mm-hmm. and you'd travel away to I remember playing at Hold Hill on a Sunday and the bank was full Tannoy on the on the score box it was brilliant but now it just seems I don't know why. I think it becomes, you know, almost a non-entity, really. You know, we're, we're you know, even at, at Modishal, you know, we, we struggle to kind of get, not necessarily a first team, but it's never really our strongest first team out that we want. Mm-hmm. You know, then there's, there's stuff, obviously, like the players, including myself, playing, playing minor counties, which um, you can't have an impact on, but, I don't know why that why that is, but Sunday cricket just seems to have fallen away a little bit, which uh, I find disappointing. I think some clubs take it really seriously, which is good. You know, the likes of Cheadle went on a good run last year. You know, Bignall Aden beating Port Hill springs to mind. Things like that, mm-hmm. you know, I like to see. Um, but I just don't think it happens off, often enough anymore. I think I think my my kind of understanding of that is that I've been both both ends obviously playing at Longton and, and, and at Leek is you do see as you drift down the divisions, obviously, um, people tend to be a bit a bit older, a bit more family responsibilities that sort of stuff. I remember growing up around that Longton side that seemed to sort of win everything at the time. They were a very very young side apart from the likes of sort of. Nigel Davis and Wayne Murray, it's a ridiculously long side of people probably sub twenty five that probably weren't settled down and that sort of stuff, probably at uni and different things like that. But then when you start getting into I mean, I'm not married and not got kids, but I still find it under pressure from from the partner to be out all weekend and, and different things like that. And I think it's that's that's the difficulty. And um, I've seen a few times on a Sunday the standard, I think sometimes Obviously, with likes of Cheadle that can put, um, you know, a nearly strong side out and and different things like that, that the standard is there and the razzmatazz that the 
the the orange ball, the pink ball. This is how bad I don't play Sundays anymore. Um, maybe playing orange or pinks is kind of. I think that razzmatazz is still there. It's just people can't spend. What do you think about it? You leave the house at ten o'clock on a Saturday morning. You get home at what half nine, and then you're again you're out again. And if you're not ingrained into that, it's it's difficult. Um, and you're you're quite fortunate. You you're in, you're into a cricketing family that's probably a lot more understanding. But yeah, I've, I've, you know I'm fully even more so appreciative now of, of family life and, and the, you know the strains that puts on. And you know there is you know cricket is not everything at all, and you know it's not the be-all and end-all, but, you know, how can we, just in my opinion, how can we maybe flip that cricket on a Sunday to be to be a bit more engaging for everybody and, and you know, get it, maybe get it a little bit more shorter format, you know, everybody must play in colours, white ball, whatever colour ball, mm. you know, some grounds have music, some grounds don't, you know, just... I think I think that's a good move this year to make. Um, there's two cup, cup two. They split the cup competition up in terms of um, different divisions. I think that's a strong choice. Being nothing yeah. worse than being, I've been at Norton for probably four or five years now. The first two seasons, you were getting wheeled out with probably two, maybe three people that were playing on a Saturday, and then just enough to make the numbers because the league were mandatory that you got to play. But um, last season, we kind of had a bit of a shift. We Give Stone a bit of a scare, um, and obviously had a bit of a run in the in the Phoenix League. So we, we're kind of trying to move things, but I think it's a chicken and egg thing. You've got to get more people playing to be able to justify getting it in the in the neck and and stuff. Want to play? You know, we're wasting a Sunday getting battered every week and and different things like that. I think it is a bit of a chicken and egg, but I definitely think that's a stronger move to split because now everybody looks at eight divisions. It's not really it's still three, maybe four divisions, and then your second team split into divisions five, yeah. six, seven, and eight, and it's pointless asking them to play um, yeah, yeah. as well, really. But um, And again, obviously, if you're playing the, the strength of minor counties, um, it's obviously it's always been a victim of your own success. I remember at Longton, if you've got one Barves, Pete, yeah, Longers yeah. missing, you know, you could be four or five down on a Saturday, couldn't you, um, in terms of playing cup games. Um the next question I was going to have was, um, when I did this podcast with Darren Long, he was saying that his general consensus about kids staying in the game was they were getting to 15, 16, and then just walking away from the game. Obviously, you've got massive setup in terms of juniors at mod. Is that the sort of feedback you're getting from the kids, or is that the trend that you're seeing, or is, the gen- is there a genuine interest still at that sort of age of 16, 17? Personally, not seen too many kids walk away. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe a handful that that decide it's not for them anymore, or you know they they choose another sport. But I have seen a few that have, have, have dipped out and then dipped back in, mm-hmm. um, which is always good to see. I think <laughs> I think we're lucky at Modishal where they. They've grown up with each other for through the age groups, mm-hmm. um, and certainly the you know the 16, 15, 16, 17 year olds now. You know they don't just see each other at cricket on a Friday night or the weekend. That some of them go to school together. You know 
social media now. You can keep in touch with each other twenty four seven if you want to. And I, I, I see that core of players that we've got now at that age. Touch wood, I hope that will stick together and and come through into our second and, and first teams. They're already playing. Um, fifths, fourths and thirds which mm-hmm. is great um, but yeah it's keeping them interested and you know I think it's keeping it fresh you know the, and the training that we do we're always trying to make it make it modern and, and bringing new ideas in and you know I touched on earlier in the podcast that we're lucky with Andy Owsley level four coach you know he even and even in his career now, he's he's still bringing new ideas, and which is brilliant for everybody. Mm-hmm. Good. And in terms of, um, final question before we get into the challenge. In terms of, in terms of if and when, obviously the season sort of starts, or whether we have to just completely defunct it to next season. What are the key sort of challenges that you know? A, a club at the size of Modishal face in terms of um, selection. I suppose you've got with so many juniors. Or is is there a particular policy that you have to you you try to implement, or is it literally a case of trying to be mindful of sort of the political ramifications of, I suppose, having what 120 people to choose from if you if you if you include all your juniors oh, all the way down. Yeah, we make. You know, we make it um, kind of our aim to, to give all the juniors that are eligible to play senior cricket mm-hmm. a game, whether that be in the, in the, you know, we've got six teams on a Saturday. <coughs> um, and we have the junior coordinator um, in on selection, in on senior selection as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's paramount that he can push the kids and their cases forward as, as to why they should be playing. I think it's really important to you know, to not not put them in too early, mm-hmm. making sure that you know they can hold their own. Um, ultimately, test you want them to be tested, but I think it's important that they're ready. Um, and yeah, we've seen you know. Tom Moulton, for example, who's worked his way up through the sides, you know, and I took a I took a fairly calculated risk last year of putting putting my confidence in him because I felt he was ready and good enough to, to open in the first team, and you know, and he did a good job. And there's one thing that we're not scared of as a club, and certainly I try and push is that we we back our own mm-hmm. um, and we give them. You know the best opportunities possible when they're ready. Good. Okay. Well, coming to the end of the podcast, is, this is a bit that I like. Um, I like this bit coming up. No, no, you'll enjoy this one. So, uh, at the end of each podcast, we always ask our guests to name um, the best players they played with, and there's three categories. So the first one is we've touched about it in this segment uh, overseas professionals now, I'm gonna, since you've had a, a dart with the first class game I'm going to limit you here um, I'm going to limit it to people that you played 
um, with and against during your time in club cricket. Okay, so um, we start with overseas professionals. So who's the best overseas professional that you played against? We'll start with against first. There was a seam bowler at Port Hill. I don't know how many years ago. Basil E. Akbar. Basil E. Akbar, yeah. And I just. I was at maybe 14, 15. And Dave, I remember Dave Ferris at short leg. Um, I just took my guard. And he said, this is going to be the best bowler you've ever faced. And it was like a bloody green bowling green at Port Hill. Real <laughs> spongy surface. We were 30 for three, as Modishal always are, by the way. Um, and yeah, it was one of the best spells of bowling. I don't think I hit one. Um, I don't know how long it lasted, but he was phenomenal. He had the ball on a piece of string. Um not quick by any stretch, but just the skill he had with I had no idea what, what what he was doing with it. He's probably the only bowler I've faced that could make it go both ways and then but actually usually fine with most swing bowlers, they it's quite floaty, but that ball like a really heavy ball. Especially yeah. on the spongy surface, get that tennis ball bounce, but yeah, completely Completely agree with that, and he had a great he had a great time as well. Such an intimidating presence as well, running in. So okay, good choice. Um, being at Mod, you've got a, a a tough selection when I say who's the best one you played with as well. Obviously, you mentioned Amy, but um, don't sit on the fence on this one, Samuel. I need a proper it's answer. Not who's, hmm? It's not tough this one. Is it not? Okay. No, okay, who's the best one you played with? Amy. Okay. Why? By an absolute anyway. country mile. Um, I, would, <laughs> I can just remember some games. He, he used to bowl from the pavilion end at Monishaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sun used to set like virtually on top of the side screen. Mm-hmm. And he would use that to his advantage. And I can remember Scott Oliver basically telling him what to do. Or bowl this ball and you'll get him out. And he bowled it and he got him out. Um, and just as a young kid watching from the outfield, and his love for the game and his love for the club um, was just phenomenal. You know, and he was an, he's an absolutely brilliant guy. He had the time of day for anybody. Um, and playing with him will always live long with me. Mm. Yeah, he's um, one of the biggest memories I've got of him. He was just how much if if he'd laugh if if you if you if you try to hit him and he hadn't quite got it, he would, he would kind of laugh and that that sort of infectiousness and, and different things like that. Yeah, I, don't or remember, if he was under a I don't remember his batting that much because it was filth most of the time. But when he got hold of it, it went yeah. out the ground. But I think look, I think Emmy's streaks ahead of anybody I've played against in terms of played with. Sorry, in terms of bowling, but. In terms of batting, Wazim Jaffa, mm-hmm. he was phenomenal to bat with and have in your team. Um, again, very down to earth, so approachable, you know, in his knowledge of the game. And the guys just absolutely loved having him around the dressing room. 
again, just a freak. You know, he could just dictate where he hit the ball so effortlessly. You know, Newcastle had um, nine men on the boundary and he was still hitting it for four or six. Um, it was just phenomenal to watch. So, yeah, I've been fortunate to play with them. Two greats. No, good. Two good choices. Um, right, OK, so that's the professionals. Next one, um, it's kind of giving your age a bit of an easy one because obviously you've mainly been around whilst the league's been open. But who's the best paid club cricketer you played against? This is presuming I know who's paid, which is a bit of a guess. OK, well, you can... You, there's, there's very rare, very rarely wrong, but go on. Was it sorry? Was this with or against? Against. Start off with. It's so hard to. I try and pick an all rounder, but it's hard because I think as a batsman, I think who's the best bot. You know who's the best bowler. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, against. Paid. You know what? He's not everybody's cup of tea, but Matt Coxon at Stone. Yeah, well, he's one of those. I suppose he's one of those people that you love him. He's one of them. If he was in your team, you'd love him. If you against him, you kind of like I'd say be first, he'd, be, he'd be the first name on my team. My team sheet if I had the, the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I'd say he's a fierce competitor. Um, incredible white line fever. Mm-hmm. Um, having played staffs with him on the same team, like um, I can assure you, it is just white line. He, he is. Um, a decent bloke off it um, I, I'm very talented again um, bowls a heavy ball um, and again can can swing it and seam it both ways and, and with the bat as well he's just I think he's a very very good good cricketer yeah good actually got an amazing pair of hands as well he took, we played against we played against oh, yeah, Stone and he took field, absolute yeah. Yeah. Gun at gully, so yeah. Okay, who's the best one you played with? This is tough, you know. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it to a bowler again. I can't believe I'm giving it to the bowlers. Yeah, go on. Um, it's gonna have to be in recent years. I've probably played three. Four, see, four seasons now with him is um, Dan Colclough. Yeah, he's an absolute metronome. Honestly, I, and I'll and I'll be honest with this, I've played against him when he played for Little Stoke, mm-hmm. and he abused the living daylights out of me. Absolutely tore shreds out of me. Um, I think he got me out first ball actually, and I played in. Uh, the Bunbury game the week before at Lords, mm-hmm. and um, he got me out on the following Saturday. I think he bowled me at Modishaw on a wet one, and boy did he tell me. Um, so I was kind of anxious when we merged about teaming up with Dan. But what I can say is, again, he's ultimate competitor. You know, he wants to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but like his old man. Yeah, great guy off the field. Um, and then stats. I think his, you know, his clubs, his league stats are just phenomenal. 
Yeah. You're just chucking, chucking the ball and, like you say, metronome will just deliver week on week. It very, very rarely gets taken hold of by anybody. Yeah. Good. And then this one's probably uh, best summed up with kind of who is the best clubby that you played sort of against. So the criteria the for this one is not necessarily the most talented cricketer, but you know that through thick and thin, the, the, this person's vital to their club. Um, so who's the one that you played against? Helps if you have a good memory. My memory is shocking. <laughs> I actually had Amy shouting at me through the kitchen door earlier on in the podcast, telling me I was getting things wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Yeah, I think um, Joan has probably been a massive linchpin for Longton over the last sort of, I suppose, last seven, eight years. Um, obviously, with massive no, surgery and change and stuff. I saw him last. Um, I saw him last season at um, at Longton when we played at home, mm-hmm. um, and just really how much how much it meant to him when. The game was so close, like we were toe-to-toe. We needed 30 to win with four wickets in hand, 20 to win with three wickets in hand and so on. And I was still going at the end and to see how much it meant to him to try and get Longton over the line mm-hmm. was really quite quite refreshing. And, you know, to see a, a guy who's come up through their ranks and played pretty much the whole of his life there mm-hmm. just to see how much it meant to him and then after the game you know, we were we got over the line thank goodness but I actually walked past the dressing room to go to the bar and he was sat in the changing room kind of all scrunched up mm-hmm. you know I just think you don't I, you don't see that often in club cricket um, and it's just really refreshing to see, you know, a lad like that. How much it means to Good. Yeah, I fully concur. Where's Art and Sleeve Jonah always has always will. Um, who's the best club you played with? Now you, at Modestry, you've got a tough, a tough one here because through generations, there's at least five names that I can pluck off the top of my head. <laughs> It just makes me laugh now and thinking and about and that dressing room. Unfortunately, you live with you live with uh, family members of at least two of them. Yeah, I know, man. Oh, I, I, I laugh. I laugh now thinking about that dressing room when I when I actually, you know, grew up and made my debut, and I think about, you know, Scott Oliver as captain, probably the best captain, the best captain I've ever played under. 
Um, then you got the Cars brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Darren Carr sat there in his pants, <laughs> itching away at his eczema. Um, then you got Roger Shaw, Andy Hawkins. Still there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, have you lost me? No, he's still there. Um, See Cy Hemmings, Rob Bagnall. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could put all them in, I'd put all them in. I'd, put, I'd probably go with um, with Scott. You know, yeah, I think. Um, Still going strong. He's not. He's not played. He didn't play last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, his 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 love for the game and you know what he did in that in that dressing room at Modishall in that era. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll never forget winning the league in that side as well. Um, just an outrageous tactician um, and the, the kind of depths he went to 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 get was right for the game on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just phenomenal, really. And I think I've, you know, I've kind of not tried to make my captaincy exactly like his, but I'd like to think I've taken snippets from him and, and added them to, to my repertoire. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think Scott would be, be my pick there. Yeah, I fully concur with those. So, Okay, mate, well, that brings us to the end of the podcast, all four episodes. Uh, thank you very much for spending your um, isolation uh, with me. Um, oh, and obviously, thanks for sharing it. And obviously, uh, thanks, Amy, for uh, sparing you for the evening. I'm sure uh, we're climbing up walls with each other, I suppose. I'm sure she will love that. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, thank you very much for tuning in and listening to all um, four episodes with Sam. Um, stay tuned as we come back next week with a completely brand new guest talking about all things cricket uh, on the Norton Nails Cricket Club podcast.